Hello and welcome to Centre for Mental Health's podcast, where we explore ideas around mental health, equality and social justice. I'm your host, Thea Joshi, and on the podcast we talk to people with lived experience of mental health problems, or people working in a specific area, about engaging in the fight for equality in mental health. So the eagle-eyed among you will notice that this is our second October podcast. We are spoiling you this month. I recently sat down with Ayanda Sabanda, Aliyah Malanga and our own Kadra Abdanasa about our amazing Young Changemakers programme. So the programme is equipping young people with the tools to produce social action projects aimed at tackling mental health inequalities in racialised communities. And I heard from them about, about why the project is so needed, the social action that's been happening so far and the impact that being part of this programme is having on young people like Aliyah. If you want to support our work addressing racial injustice in mental health, or to help us produce more content like this, then please head to the donate page on our website to give what you can. Hope you enjoy. So hello, I'm really excited to be here today with Aliyah, Ayanda and Kadra um, to talk about the Young Changemakers programme. Hi guys. Hello. Hey. Hi. Oh, I'm really glad we've been able to do this finally to talk about um, the Young Changemakers programme and what it's all about. So I'm I'm just going to jump right in and Kadja, just ask you to give us a little bit of background on the Young Changemakers programme. So um, Young Changemakers is an exciting uh, partnership between the Centre, the Diana Award and UK Youth. And it's a programme seeking to reimagine mental health support for young people from racialised communities. Um, it's really about like creating real and lasting change um, within the mental health sector that is really co-produced and centers young people um, and seeks to like build and create new systems that work for them, especially those facing, um, you know, the harshest inequalities. Um, and also another sort of like key objective for this program is uh, to enable young people from racialized communities to have opportunities to participate in social action and decision-making within the field of mental health. I guess just to say a little bit about like why the three of us came together, um, really we're bringing uh, a unique and like individual set of expertise as like individual organizations. So the center bringing that sort of mental health research and policy expertise. Um, our partners at Diana Award bringing that, you know, insight around youth engagement, social action um, and their work as well with schools across the country. Um, and of course, UK youth just being a massive sort of like network of youth organizations um, and really recognizing the importance of youth work. So, you know, collectively we come together to like design this program and like harness our insights so that they can help address some of the concerns young people have around mental health. Um, and of course, just wanted to say that the program was made possible thanks to the generosity of the players of the People's Postcode Lottery and Comic Relief. Um, and it's a free year program. So we're just about entering our second year. Yeah, I think the one thing I'd love to add is that our program is quite unique in the way that it's been built around. And so far, we've seen quite a bit of traction already in terms of what the young people are doing and their projects and highlighting or being able to help further things along. So this is a project that is really trying to make a tangible difference in the way things are done. And some of those things are already in motion, which is quite exciting. Amazing. I think it's such an exciting project. And um, obviously for us at Centre for Mental Health, like racial justice and racial equality is really high on our agenda. But for people who are new to this area of work, um, could you just talk us a little bit through kind of the rationale and the motivation behind the project? 
Um, so I guess, um, you know, we've known for some time that there are some real stark and persistent racial inequalities in mental health across all ages. Um, but really, there hasn't been um, many national programs looking at the experiences of young people in particular. Um, so even before the pandemic and the recent wave of Black Lives Matter movement, there were some really unacceptable inequalities we saw in young people's mental health. For example, they were twice as likely to receive mental health support through involuntary routes, for example, um, social care or criminal justice uh, orders, according to some research by UCL and the Freud Centre. Of course, at Centre for Mental Health, we've been involved in a number of programmes looking at the inequalities young Black men face in particular um, through programmes like Shift in the Dow. But I think, I guess, it's fair to say that, you know, the murder of George Floyd in 2020 um, and the, you know, the subsequent sort of wave of Black Lives Matter, coupled with some of the concerns about how COVID-19 was having a disproportionate impact on racialized communities really concerned us. Um, and it initially led to our partners, um, UK Youth and Diana Awards, coming together to launch a campaign called Young and Black. And um, really that campaign was launched because young people's voices were missing from debates around racism. Um, mm. They're obviously ac acutely aware of how prevalent it is across society. Um, but one thing that came up through that campaign was just the impact it was having on their mental health and well-being. Um, and so our program, you know, we came together to like think about ways of responding to that in a more proactive way, rather than waiting for like decision makers to tell us what's up for grabs, you know, so we kind of wanted to, yeah, root the solutions and the thinking and, you know, what young people and communities want. That's amazing. And I, I love what you said there about rooting the solutions in communities who are facing these inequalities. And I think that's, that's vital and it's so important for us. And you know, instead of focusing on a top-down approach and just being done to actually enabling and equipping young people, especially to, yeah, be part of making the change happen. So that's really helpful. And I guess we know that, you know, co-production has been really critical at this heart of this work. And Ayanda, I wonder if you could just talk us through why that kind of co-production has been such an important element. Sure. There's actually a quote by Anna Rose Barker, who was the former chair of um, the British Youth Council, and she said that the experience of youth at any one point in time is not one that can ever be shared by older generations. And if you think about our current climate, none of us can fully understand what it's like to be young in the middle of a pandemic or in the middle of um, the George Floyd movement. We've never been in such a situation before. So to try and create solutions without hearing or working with young people who have actively been experiencing what's going on is sort of somewhat an upward battle, a upward hill battle. It doesn't really work. So mm -hmm. co-production is important because it allows us to make sure that the solutions, interventions, preventions, research that we're doing are actually fit for purpose and are relevant. Um, and the third sector podcast also spoke about young people and volunteering. And when a young person is um, involved in co-production, it heightens the passion and the motive to keep going. So by producing a program alongside with young people, not only are we making sure that what we're doing is meeting the need in a relevant manner but we're also encouraging more passion and more motivation and young people can really get behind it because they'll be they're able to see what they've done from beginning to end um, and we engage in co-production in a range of ways so sometimes that looks like advising on a suggestion or idea that we already have other times it includes design so coming up with a 
content from beginning to end. Um, other times it's research, actually. We have some peer researchers who work with evaluating and making sure what we're doing, interviews and things like that are fit for purpose as well. So we have sort of a well-rounded approach to co-production because we understand that it's very hard to try and meet a need without knowing exactly what's going on in those spaces. And we can't know because we're no longer young people. So that's why co-production is very important and why it's embedded through various elements of our program. Yeah, and thank you for that painful but realistic reminder that we are no longer young. <laughs> <laughs> it hurts me too, it hurts oh, me too. I know, but you, you're totally right. And I think, I mean, part of this is just underpinning all of the kind of stance that we want to take about mental health and mental health research and that idea of, you know, nothing about us without us. So why would we even dream of doing work around young people and racialized communities and not um, having them at the forefront of what we're doing that makes no sense um, but also mm. what you said is that it's also a lot more you know we know it will actually meet people's needs if it's driven by them so these kind of feel nonsensical and yet it's it's important to recognize that that's not the way mental health research and policy making has been done to date and so it feels obvious but also it still needs to be hammered home <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And actually, one thing we're sort of working, working on internally is sort of like a co-production best practice guide so that um, organizations or professionals or people who have, are new to the idea will sort of know what to look out for, what to do when it comes to co-producing with young people so that they have a bit of a hand in that. So you can watch out for that, too, so that more people can get on the wave. Amazing. And we will definitely um, promote that across all our digital channels once that's out. So yeah, thanks so much for that context, Ayanda, and, and, and why it's so vital. But I wonder if you could maybe talk us through a bit um, kind of what's happened in the programme so far. Like I know we're about a year in. So um, yeah, talk us through that a little bit. Yes, sure. So we've finished our first cohort, which is great, which is one of three, actually. Um, and from our first cohort, we saw four amazing projects. So the first one is Team Verity, who's with us in the building, and you, you can hear from her later. But that was more about peer-to-peer -peer outreach and support. So um, Team Verity has created a podcast to um, talk about, uh, well, to have a young person, Aaliyah, who's with us, and professionals talking about mental health, how to get support, especially digging deeper into sort of young people who've experienced sexual assault. So that's the first project we've had. Another project that we've done is um, engaging frontline practitioners through developing a culturally competent resource for practitioners to look out for. That was done by Team Engage. Our third one is not so micro, which is looking at changing public policy with regards to race related training and teachers and finding ways to make it mandatory. And finally, team change was all about attitudinal change. So they did um, a couple workshops trying to break stigmas in um ethnic communities with regards to mental health. So they did different pieces around tackling the stigmas that are around mental health so that more people can get the support that they need. Amazing. And then now we're coming into our second cohort. So our new cohort will be starting a whole new bunch of social action projects. And our aim is to cause impact on a local and a national level with these social action projects. So we're quite excited to see what this new group or new cohort comes up with. Oh, thanks, Ayanda. It's really exciting to hear about what's going on so far. And we know that um, they have already been making change happen. Obviously, we'll link to all the social action projects in the show notes um, and, and you guys can see for yourselves. But um, Aliyah, I wonder if you could maybe speak a little bit to, um, you know, any kind of progress or impact that, that's been seen so far? Yeah, so um, just a, 
I think it was a few days ago, um, I received a message from one of the listeners from the podcast who said that they were very thankful for the podcast. And what they really liked was the fact that it was raw and honest. It wasn't just, you know, trying to divert and speak about, you know, the same things that people talk about. It actually went deep, deep into the conversation. So they were really happy that the podcast started because they felt like they were listening to a friend talk. They felt that they were listening to someone that was close to them speak and stuff. So I think for me, that was the main goal because I don't want it, like I'm not a professional person, so I don't want it to be professional. I want it to be personal because sexual abuse is personal. And a lot of things that people go through nowadays is very, very personal. There's a lot of like emotional instability and mental instability and what people most likely need in this times of, you know, in times of like that, they just need like a friend to talk to, a friend to kind of like explain to them or just a friend to vent to. And the podcast that I started, I started it because I wanted to vent myself. Like, you know, I didn't have anyone around me to talk to, but I just wanted to talk. I just wanted to speak. So creating the platform, I think just by hearing her comments and just by hearing her reviews, um, it's nice to know that it's a friend to people who they can just listen to and actually gain valuable information about what they're going through and how they can also help themselves. That is so cool, Aaliyah. I'm really excited to hear about that. Yeah, and obviously we will link to your podcast in the show notes, but it's exactly what you said, isn't it? That people just need a relatable voice who can say, actually, yeah, me too you're not on your own with this. And so I'm really excited that Changemakers has provided a space where these kind of social action projects can, can come to life and to, to become realised, these ideas. Um, tell me a little bit more about kind of your experience of, of joining the programme and kind of the creation of this idea of the of the Verity podcast. So... Um... At first joining the program, I was a little bit confused because I joined through, I think, a, I don't know if it's a partnering organisation, but it was um, another organisation that kind of um, told me to join and stuff like that. So I wasn't really sure what the program was really about. But when we went to the retreat and stuff, that's when I kind of had more of an idea of what it is that you guys were trying to do. And I think for me, it was more incredible because when I stepped into the room, I know I didn't know who I was in the room with, if that makes sense. There, there was a TikToker there that I'd seen like, like a week, like at least every single day I saw one of her videos on TikTok and I was thinking like, oh my God, they know you too. So, you know, it was like a place where like, I I felt um very underqualified being there, but I also felt like it was a great opportunity for someone that is underqualified because to be in a room with people that have so many different experiences, so many different networks and connections and who can actually, who are actually there to help you and not just to listen to you. I think that was what was great for me. So when I went there and then I met Dr. Trevor, I met Hayley Melenda in person and so many other like people from the Diana Awards and stuff like that. It was just kind of like, oh my God, these people want to make a difference. So that was my experience, kind of like just being um, astonished that there's a group of people or group of individuals and companies that actually want to make a difference not just in anyone's life but especially in um in the ethnic minority so for me that was like okay cool what can I 
like how can I you know how can I be a part of this I'm already a part of this but how can I myself make a difference so when it first started I was just kind of like okay let me just present to them the podcast that I already started you know everything's rosy but then when I started to actually see how deep you guys were trying to go how far you guys were trying to go it made me expand my idea of the podcast even more because I don't just want to talk to people I actually want to provide them with knowledge and wisdom and understanding so just being in a room full of people that were excited passionate and that had you know ways to actually help and resources to help as well I thought let me just make this idea even bigger than it already is and yeah Verity was birthed from there and it's just been great because from then it's like things haven't stopped um I got into contact with Dr Trevor who opened so many other doors for me allowed me to meet so many different people and then Verity has now turned into something that's not only looking to be a podcast, but something that also wants to help the education system, because now um, I'm training to be a teacher and I'm noticing so many things from that as well. And I'm just like, okay, cool. The education system needs to change because it's not only, um, it's not just kids that, it's not just, not normal kids. I don't know what the best way to describe it is, but there's kids with like learning disabilities, ADHDs, behavior problems who are being left out of classes. They're being neglected. They're just being basically given a toy and being told to just sit in the corner. And I'm like, no, this is not right. But then you can't blame the teachers because the teachers are stressed. So I'm just like, okay, how can we help out the system? So it's just like Verity has now turned into something more than just mental health. It wants to help out the education system itself. And I forgot about the trauma I faced in primary school when it came to teachers shouting at you and calling you lazy. So it's like, it's just a really, really great opportunity. Like I'm happy to have been involved in this. Wow, yeah. Aaliyah, it's so exciting to hear about you talk about this. And I feel like we were all just sitting here beaming, just listening <laughs> to you talk about it because it's so exciting and your passion for it is really obvious. And it's just also, yeah, that you kind of came in and said, oh, I feel a bit underqualified. But being in that room with other people, um, you know, gave you the encouragement to to kind of let those dreams fly and let those ideas rip kind of thing. Um, yeah. and, and kind of the evolution of the podcast um it's just so exciting and you're obviously completely right that there's a lot that needs to change in the education system and it feels like that links in with the um the not so micro group um, and their work around um microaggression training for teachers so um it's just it is really exciting to listen to you talk about it and um you know the passion and the ideas so um yeah just love it no, thank you guys. <laughs> you started it. And I mean, I guess talking maybe more reflectively, you know, how how is being involved in change makers? How has it kind of impacted you? Um, I think it's made me think about my professional life a lot more than just my personal life. Um, when the podcast was started, it was just like everything's rose, it was just everything was just about me. But the way how the program has impacted me is that it's allowed me to kind of like have a wider perspective on life like I know that I go through things but there's also a lot of people out there who also go through things not just people who are suffering with mental health problems there's there's like a network of just situations happening all at the same time so what the program has has done for me it's allowed me to notice the gaps in our in our societies like it's allowed me to notice that okay cool there's issues here there's issues there there's issues there and it's just pointing out a lot of things that actually need help and 
it's also allowed me to know that as much as I can have all of these ideas, I can't do all by myself. Like the pro like the program itself, you're meant to work in a team, you're meant to be networking, you're meant to be talking to different people of different qualifications and all that kind of stuff. And it's a lot for one person to just kind of want to change the whole of society in general. But, you know, starting out being black, being a girl, being young and stuff like that, like it's it's allowed me to know that you're not going to get there straight away. Take it easy because, you know, you need patience with yourself and you also need patience for things to change and stuff like that. But one thing is like, just keep your eye out and like, just look out for what's missing. Like if you can fix it, then go ahead and fix it. But always remember to ask for help because I think one thing like at the retreat that I literally noticed was that everyone was just being like very, very helpful. Like literally so helpful. Oh my God, you need to like very, very helpful. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to accept help as well. And I'm one person, I'm very stubborn and I'm very independent and I don't like asking for help. Like I will not pick up the phone. I could be dying and I will not pick up the phone. But if you really want to make a change in society, if you really want to make a difference, you need to pick up the phone. Like you need to actually ask someone who has 10 years 15 years of experience okay this is what I'm struggling with how can I you know change this how can I deal with this so I think for me the program has just allowed me to be more human than just a, um, a machine that just goes and goes and goes like I'm literally learning to take time and just go with the day as it is like um since the program started I've gotten in contact with so many people I've had so many opportunities come at me and the way how my head works is like okay cool go just go just go just go but that's not how life works so it's just kind of like patience you're gonna get there just take it step by step like this week do this that week like it's just kind of like it's given me patience with myself basically I think that's one thing that I can definitely say is that it's given me a lot of patience with myself so yeah Oh, thank you so much for sharing that with us. It's really cool to hear your reflections on like how it's um, kind of impacted you both as you think about kind of your career and, and like your future and, and the kind of activism that you're doing, but also like the way you've been able to reflect on like, but yeah, the personal impact it's had and, and that idea of patience. And I, I loved your observation about, you know, it can feel really overwhelming to try and think, oh, I've got to change the whole of society. It's all screwed and it's all on me. And, and I think that's something we can all relate to that feeling of like, things are sometimes really bad and like what do we do but that idea of like the need for collaboration and a shared effort to get there and, and also like you say like be, being it being okay to ask for help and that you know you know that kind of sense of self-care and needing to look after yourself whilst also trying to like really make a difference and so yeah that's really powerful to hear. The impact the program has had I guess both professionally and personally is seeing just how how ambitious and creative and solution driven young people are when given the opportunity to do so um i know there's a statistic i think it's from the i will campaign that talks about how it's four in ten young people at the moment that engage in social action um but giving an op a space and a platform for young people to all come together and seeing that in real time was quite incredible and some of the projects we've had just to touch on lightly for example not so micro has now got connections with either schools or teachers or um different organizations that are passionate about the same thing and getting the ball rolling so being able to see what started off as small social action projects go bigger 
sort of encouraged me in a hopeful sense, both professionally and personally, to know that actually we are making changes and we are making progress. And if you give people the opportunity to walk through the door, they will. So it's just looking at how do we get more young people involved in this program so that they can affect change wherever they are at, because there is young people with great ideas. They just need space to be able to do that. And I'm grateful that our program offers that. Yeah, that's amazing. And I love that fact, the idea that like, it gives us hope. And I think that's really what I'm feeling like as we have this conversation, just the fact that there is there is hope and that, as we've said, like even though things are really tricky in society and like inequalities are really harming young people and we can see that in the data, but the fact is that's not the end of the story. The idea that there is um, yeah, hope that progress is being made and that, as you say, young people have um, got the tools they've got the ideas we just need to give them the space to realize them and 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 to like play that out so yeah but for a lot of reasons this project really gives me hope so obviously as we've said we're only kind of one year down out of three but um any kind of key learning so far from our work alongside it our evaluation yeah so um our evaluation is still underway and obviously we've not really published findings yet but just um to touch on a little bit about what we've been finding so far i guess from a sort of young people's um perspective a real sort of like sense of increased understanding and confidence talking about mental health so through their sort of like youth development journey that was put on for them um, by the Diana Awards and in partnership with other organizations, really just kind of um, hearing and learning more about mental health um, and feeling more equipped to sort of talk about it, their own mental health and also um, amongst their peers. Also building and gaining new skills around like social action planning and delivery, research, um, public speaking. I think like change makers um, so far have been like invited and spoke at, you know, nearly a dozen different conferences and events, both internally for our organizations, but also at like big conferences. So um, two of our change makers, for example, uh, spoke recently at the Triumph Network Conference in Edinburgh to talk about their projects and their work. Um, and also, of course, gaining skills around like policy influencing, which, you know, not so micro is a example of that. Um, and, you know, using some of the insight from the program to like feed into things like the call for evidence for the 10 year mental health plan that the government's developing. That's like a big opportunity for us to like influence. And yeah, just like sort of Aliyah um, already touched on this, but like young people reporting that, like the value of like connecting with other like-minded young people and experts in this space, just really helping to like strengthen young people's networks. And this has been like, especially important in the context of COVID-19 where you can kind of feel like disconnected from people. Yeah, another thing we've been learning is just really thinking about how we can take a more localized approach with the program. So um, this year through UK Youth and its partners, we're really just thinking about how we equip and support youth workers to work with change makers in a more direct way. Um, and this is especially important. And again, going back to what uh, Aliyah touched on earlier, just really the value of having that face-to-face -face, um, support and meeting opportunities. So we learned again from putting on that residential and the celebration event that just the power of like being in a room together and like bouncing off each other's energy and, you know, supporting each other, um, as you can imagine, trying to like bring a lot of people who don't know each other together through Zoom isn't always ideal, especially if it's like after school and like you're knackered already. <laughs> so I think like um, we're hoping that for cohort two and three, like that shift towards that 
more sort of place-based approach will make a big difference. Um, we've also had like huge interest from the wider sector, like the wider youth and mental health sector, who are all quite keen to like think about ways of reducing racial inequalities. Um, so, you know, again, we've been connecting with people like the Children and Young People's Mental Health Coalition and others to kind of share our learning and see how we can kind of galvanize more support within the sector. Um, and then I guess the last thing I'll touch on as well, and then Ali and Ayanda, please share any further thoughts on this, um, is just really a, a key sort of like objective in this program is to like plug the gap in evidence base around um, young people's mental health and racial inequalities, as well as like the impact of racism itself. So this year, our children, young people's researcher hung at the center, worked with change makers who are also peer researchers to produce a rapid evidence review. Um, so you can check out our report called A Voice for Change. And this really kind of consolidates the data and evidence we have around young people's mental health and racial inequalities. And I guess just overall, there's a real sort of limitation and shortage of um, up-to-date evidence um, around young people's mental health. And, um, you know, we rely quite heavily on international studies in this space, which sometimes are not always like relevant to the UK context specifically. So, you know, we really kind of through this program want to work with young people to like build our insights on issues and topics that matter to them the most. Um, again, one way that we're trying to do this um, that's coming up is working with Not So Micro to develop a survey for teachers so we can kind of understand the need and the scale of like anti-racism and anti-microaggression training in schools. So over the next few weeks, um, please do keep a lookout for that. We'll be launching that survey and yeah, if we can get as much support and people out there completing it um, to help us make that case for mandatory training. Um, but yeah, we need that evidence as well to kind of convince decision makers in this space. Amazing. Do you guys want to want to add anything into to what Kadra was saying on sort of um, learning so far? Not really, but I have a bit of shameless plugging. Yeah, <laughs> so, feel free to shameless plug. <laughs> yes, sure. So one of the things we're doing at the Diana Award is we've started um, a respect program, which falls under our anti-bullying side of things. And two of the areas we're covering, first of all, the first one is anti-racism and race-related bullying. And then the other one is regards to sexual and gender related bullying so those two if you're interested in those type of things then do reach out because we are happy to go around different schools and talk about these topics to young people and teachers so that we can change the experiences of young people who identify in both of those groups amazing thanks so much for plugging that that's really useful and again we will link in the show notes thank you so much for um sharing some of those learnings for us Kadra um it just feels like as we've been talking I've just been so aware of the way that this project mirrors what we at the centre are trying to do in terms of addressing like really pervasive racial inequalities and the impact that they have on children's mental health and all the way through life the lifetime but also that really critical point of centralising um, lived experience and co-production and putting the people who we're talking about at the centre of the conversation so I'm I am really just so excited by this project um, we'll continue to share updates about it on our digital channels and um, so so keep watching out for that and um, thank you so much Kadja thank you Ayanda and thank you Alia for um, giving up your time today and for sharing your perspectives because it's just been wonderful to hear more thank you thank you thank you
Hope you enjoyed this episode. To join our fight for equality in mental health, you can donate at www.centerformentalhealth.org.uk slash donate. See you next time.